You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, now we've made it through Thanksgiving. How is the leftover situation going in the Dixon household? Uh, I still have a little bit left, but not much. Um, Okay. So uh, Terry's on a liquid diet right now Mm. uh, because she's got the surgery this week. Okay. And uh, so... Um, maybe we'd have eaten more of it by now, except for that. So, <laughs> yeah, you're 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 having to lead the way there, and of course, good yeah, luck to your right. your lovely wife on her on her surgery. But you you must be feeling like it. You've eaten so much turkey, you must be feeling like a turkey at this point. Uh, I didn't bring any turkey home. Actually, we didn't have any at Laura's house. It was uh, well, I guess there was some some turkey, but it was that turkey that tastes delicious. How um, can I forget? You're a ham man. Yeah, we learned this right, a few right. weeks ago on on the Pride <laughs> Editor Show. So here we go. We have this game against the Los Angeles Rams in, in week 12. We thought the Chiefs would be able to handle it without a problem. I didn't think the Chiefs played especially well last night, but they're still able to get a 16-point victory. And that, I mean, that just goes to show you how spoiled we are in Kansas City. It's a two-score victory <laughs> when I needed two, yeah. <laughs> two-point conversions, and yet the, the team didn't really play particularly well in the red zone, and so you're kind of left like, oh, this could have been a much more dominating win. But the Chiefs improved the 9-2. and two. They maintain control in the AFC. All the Chiefs have to do to get that by is win their final six games here. Uh, a lot easier said than done, but the biggest one is coming up this week against the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll get into more of that as we go here on the editor's show and as we go here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network this week. But first, got to read some reviews. We actually only have one review, and it's Ryan in Kirksville. Shout out to Truman State. Here's what Ryan said. Best Chiefs content. I listen to a lot of Chiefs content, and Arrowhead Pride has by far the most consistently informative and engaging podcasts that I've come across. My must-listen shows each week are the post-game reaction show with Stephen and Rocky, the AP editor show with Pete and John. He said this is that he always learns from the marinated takeaways, which we, we know, by the way, are, are world famous. And he also commented <laughs> that the Great British Chiefs show with Brad and Tom is probably the most entertaining of the bunch. He also said, Go Chiefs. So thank you to Ryan and Kirksville. As a reminder, if you leave us a review on Apple iTunes, especially if it's five stars, we will read it right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. And okay, let's get into our first segment. Remember, we'll go through Andy Reid and some of the major things that we've learned from the Monday afternoon Zoom press conference that he does each and every week. Segment two will be our world-famous marinated takeaways, and then we'll do our news roundup in segment three. But let's start with Andy Reid and the, I guess, number one negative out of this game was 
the play of special teams again. There was the muff punt by Sky Moore. There were the Rams converting on what was a, a fake punt pass. And so this is what Andy Reid had to say about special teams as a whole right now. Yeah, I think, Saran, I think we're, you know, we're playing a number of young guys. You know, we're, we're anticipating things to get better. We've gotten better in some areas. So um, we'll just, we'll keep working through it. Um, as far as the returner thing goes, I've been through that before. Again, I, I don't, I'm not going to put that on Sky. We've asked him to uh, learn that and, and go in there and do it. And, you know, we gave him a second chance to do it and it, it didn't work out as well as we hope, but we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll get it right. And Dave, he's as good as there is. So we'll get it, get things straightened out there. So Andy Reed referring to Dave Tobe and getting special teams squared away. This is a team with a lot of young players. There was a lot of special teams turnovers. There have been issues and especially at the returner position after the third muffed punt of his season, talking about Sky Moore, the Chiefs replaced him with veteran Justin Watson. And here was Andy Reid on Justin Watson as potentially the new Chiefs punt returner. Yeah, Justin, again, um, he looked like he caught the ball fairly easy back there and comfortable. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I haven't met with Tobe on it yet, but um, we'll see where we go moving forward with it. But he seemed pretty, uh, uh, seemed to be a pretty good catcher back there. So Sky Moore ended up having three muff punts this year. One was against the Colts, which led to a touchdown. One was against the 49ers, which the Chiefs were able to intercept the ball right back because Jimmy G had one of those Jimmy G moments. And then in this last muff punt, the Chiefs were able to force a three and out. So for the most part, no harm, no foul. I guess you could make a case that the Chiefs maybe don't lose the Colts game had that muff punt not happened. But I would guess by this point, John, that the the Sky Moore experiment has to be over. I think they should just have him focus on on being a receiver, which I guess starting next year, when you think about their turnover in the receiving room, it's probably going to be a bigger part of the offense anyway. You might as well move on and, and let Watson do it from here on out. Well, that could be. Um, I'll remind you that we thought the same thing when they named uh, Kadarius Tony as the punt returner right. a couple of weeks ago. We thought the the experiment had come to a, a, a thankful end because it's been something that's really upset people over the course of the season and, and rightfully so. Um, so I don't know that it's necessarily over. Um, I, I think it's interesting that the team clearly wants to make it work with him. I, you know, Tobe said initially that the chiefs needed him for be good for, to be good at returns. And then later he said they believed he could be good at returns. We got different versions of these statements of support from Tobe. And I wonder if I've, I've wondered all along if uh, they kind of forced uh, more into this situation because they felt it was the only way they could keep him on the roster this year, that it was a roster decision. And they, and they said to Tobe, okay, you're going to have to figure out a way to make this guy work as a returner because otherwise we have to let him go. We don't have room for him um, with the wide receiver situation as it is, but we can justify it if he can return punts. So Tobe moved on that and was encouraged by what he saw, but then the mistakes on the field were just too much. I do wonder if McCole Hardman and Kadarius Tony were healthy, what they would be doing in the receiver room. Mm -hmm. Seven receivers is too many. Yeah. And you couldn't put, like you couldn't put more on the practice squad. And so if he's not returning, right. he just been be inactive every week. I, I think that it's odd, but I think that's real. 
I I think they were trying to make it work. I think they realized they they can't at this point. And I think what helps the numbers game in a in an odd way is the fact that McCall Hardman is on IR. And right. We don't right. know about the future for him in 2022. And now Kadarius Tony is out of the mix. Andy Reid would add that that he's day to day. We're going to play that for you in a second, but. I just don't think you can continue to to roll them out there. I just think it's too risky, especially in a, a game against a team like the Cincinnati Bengals. One thing that we've heard in the past couple of weeks that I, I'll be honest, I I don't like. Like sometimes, I think the fans are a little bit more emotional than I am, and that you should be. No. You're 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 Chiefs no. fans, but the one thing that they've gotten <laughs> emotional about that Dave Tobe has said that I've sort of agreed with the energy, and I don't always agree, is. The idea of Trent McDuffie at punt return. No, I don't think that that would be wise. I mean, he is so clearly one of your best defensive backs, even as a rookie. We barely call his name. I think he's just so important defensively. And if you're going to make that make this situation where you're trying to lean into more as a punt return, remember the initial reason for that was so that McCole Hardman would be available on offense. Right. Mm-hmm. There should be no consideration for Trent McDuffie to be the punt return as good as he could possibly be. I just think he's too important to your defense and he already got injured this year again not punt return or anything like that but i just i don't think that that would be worth the risk justin watson feels like the perfect replacement until tony is ready again and speaking of tony he missed this game with a hamstring injury he had some of those hamstring issues dating back to new york so we were wondering is this a player they were being over cautious about here's andy reed yeah so he's working hard at getting back um and we are being cautious with it and we'll just we'll see how he does this week uh, as we as we go forward with it but we're going to try not to bring him back and then have any setbacks after that uh we don't want to go through that so we'll we'll see we'll just see how it goes probably pete is probably i'd tell you day to day and we'll just see where he's at oh no (laughs) the dreaded day to day The Chiefs need a a synonym of some some sort for day to day. They just need to get it out of the vocabulary. It's one of those cursed words ever since the the days of our legitimately day to day, literally day to day, I should say, for uh, of course Chiefs legend safety Eric Berry. But Kadarius Tony day to day, it seems like they are being really cautious with him. I don't know if we'll see him this week because I think they really want to rest that hamstring. If you can get by this week with a win which I, I think they can do without Tony. You probably rest him until you're not only 100% sure, but almost it's like that 115, 120%. Because I think he'd be such an asset to have in the AFC playoffs. And that's it in Kansas City. You're always defined by how they do in the playoffs. It doesn't really matter what right. you do during mm-hmm. regular season. So I just tend to think, especially now that they're saying the, the Lord Voldemort Chiefs words, that <laughs> we won't see Tony until he's he's not only ready, but quote unquote like ready ready you know what i mean right yeah 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 we do need a synonym i don't know what it would be i'll have to do some research on that do some do some internet searching or something for yeah synonyms uh, for day to day yeah because it, it drives people crazy there needs to be another way to to describe it if there's one major thing to complain about in this game besides special teams it was how the chiefs did in the red zone they were one of six i don't know if you count that sixth failure because the chiefs were just trying to run the clock out, you know, toward the end of the game. But largely, this is where they struggled against the the L.A. Rams. And it, it felt a little bit more self-inflicted than anything the Rams were doing. And so that that is, of course, cause for concern. But it, I think in, in another way, it could be something that you look at and say, okay, maybe this is a little bit more fixable because we were making our own mistakes. Anyway, 
enough of me talking. Here was Andy Reid on the red zone. <laughs> yeah, we needed to run it better um, and more accurate. And um, we, we had we had some some issues there. We've got to take care of and uh, whether it's the play or the call at that time or, or the actual blocking part of it. So we, we've got to we've got to tighten that up because uh, that de- the defense that they are playing, uh, they're giving you that opportunity to do that. One of six in the red zone against the Bryce Perkins Rams is fine. One and six in the red zone in Cincinnati against the Joe Burrow Bengals, who are playing really well at this stage, is not going to win you the game. And I, I think this is something that, need, that needs to be fixed very quickly, John. Well, that assumes the defense uh, doesn't do as well as uh, as we would hope they would. Right. Uh, but, you know, in all of the games against the Bengals the last, last season, certainly – uh, the Bengals scored a lot of points. So I don't know if we can reasonably expect the defense to hold them down to a small enough number of points that field goals are going to do it. So I, I'll have to agree with you there. Well, one thing that that we we do know is that at least next week, Jamar Chase won't be torching Trevarius Ward because that's impossible. <laughs> uh, he's no longer here. Not to say that he did a bad job. That was one of the points I remembered from last year's Bengals game. I think it was in the regular season. Like Ward was playing pretty well, and Jamar Chase is just otherworldly he Mm -hmm. should be back in the lineup he hasn't played in quite a few weeks for cincinnati they they said he was close to playing this week against the titans and they held him back and that was of course to to be ready for kansas city and i i think it plays into the idea that john that that everyone seems to be healthy for chiefs week i know that that's been (laughs) a tendency mike williams and keenan allen were suddenly good to go mike williams probably came back back too soon Mm -hmm. Uh, he he was injured in that game uh, but yeah, it, it does seem like people really try to get back in the lineup for, for Chiefs week. So the, the Bengals chose to hold Chase out so that he would be available. And that's the expectation that we got from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport this morning. So Chase you versus know, the Chiefs. Uh, you know, I, I've forgotten which game it was, but there was a game that we played this year where the injury report after they had the opposing team had played the Chiefs was jam-packed with people. Titans. And I thought it might, and I wondered if it might be uh, interesting to do an analysis of that, you know, on, on uh, which teams have a lot of injuries reported after they're playing the chiefs. And if, if so, is that because they played the chiefs or because they had so many guys who made themselves healthy in order to play the chiefs and then got re-injured? I bet you there's <laughs> something there. People, you know, when you, when you, when you're playing the chiefs, they're just the most consistently good team these past few years, right? So right. We had the Rams coming in to Kansas City this week didn't even feel like a big game, even though preseason it should have been because they were the reigning mm-hmm. Super Bowl champs, but they've fallen off so much. So when you can't get excited that the Super Bowl champs are coming to the town, you know, what is the next best thing? Is it the Bengals who've been up and down this year? Eh. Or is it the Kansas City Chiefs who have hosted four straight AFC title games, won a title a couple of years ago, or nine wins are at the top of their conference? It's to me, it's still the biggest game on anybody's schedule. And I think that's why you see a, a tendency of players to suddenly feel like, okay, we can go to school. I'm not going to fake sick today. I'm going to be in this game <laughs> or maybe they are sick and they play hurt and get more hurt. Like we saw with the Titans had, they had a huge injury list after playing the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. Uh, with the ninth win, this was identified by chiefs reporter, Bat McMullen. The chiefs have clinched, Having a winning season in the 10 years of Andy Reid, which is is very impressive. Here were Andy's comments on that. Yeah, listen, I'm, I mean, it's an honor, first of all, to have, have an opportunity to coach here, just like it is for you guys to to uh, write about the Chiefs. I mean, it's a it's a great place to be. And 
it's a it's a great time. So uh, the the main thing is when you're sitting in the seat I'm sitting in is you got to keep winning, right? So you, you don't sit back and and rest on on, on those things, Matt. I mean, you've, you've been around me, and I'm, I'm kind of okay. That's great. Let's go, <laughs> let's go on to the next one, and uh, uh, the next one ends up being the most important one. So um, that that's where we're at. But I I, I don't want to slight the fact that it's. Uh, you know, a lot of you guys are from Kansas City and proud of it. And, and so that's uh, it's great to have a winning winning program. We all could have, have written what Andy Reid was going to say to that that thought. <laughs> right. We knew Probably, how he, yeah. how he was going to answer that. No, I, I just think it's it's worth playing and, and worth reflecting upon because it is really hard to do that. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that. Yeah, I know that in these five, six years of, of Patrick Mahomes, I, I think all of us believe there should be at least a second Super Bowl and I you know they were in one and I think make a case that Patriots year that maybe it would have happened if if they were able to get that victory I know certainly last year felt like they got one stolen from them so you know you talk about multiple Super Bowls but just the idea of being in the dance and this dates back to Alex Smith as well uh and and you didn't have that that MVP caliber quarterback but you had a team that won more than they didn't and I just think that that shouldn't be overlooked and, and, it, and it's just very impressive well reed is now the most successful coast coach in the franchise's history if the only argument against him is the postseason where mm. you know uh, stram still has the edge there by having won the 1962 afl championship against seven other teams which doesn't right. seem like as much of an accomplishment as winning a super bowl today no. but still uh, that's the that's the argument that there is between Reed and Stram. Otherwise, Reed is the most successful coach coach hands down. His record is substantially better than anybody else who's who's been with the Chiefs. And so, uh, you know, he's he is the best as far as I'm concerned. And and I speak as someone who watched Stram coach and knew him a little bit. And um, you know, it takes a lot for me to say that. So. A couple read factoids that occurred yesterday. The Chiefs clinched a five-game winning streak, which they have done every mm-hmm. year. Yeah, that is wild. Yeah, and with the win yesterday, he also surpassed Marty Schottenheimer for the most wins at Arrowhead. Um, he he, I mean, he's got certainly more wins at GEHA Fields because I know what no <laughs> no Chiefs coach in history has any wins at GEHA Field. But we're talking about the Arrowhead Stadium portion, and he now owns that record uh, as well, John. Well, yeah, well, that's good. I, I wonder he'll hold it for a long time, I expect. Well, at, at the G, certainly, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh, I don't, yeah. I don't I don't see that one going uh, going away anytime soon. But, yeah, so there you go. That's Andy Reid. By the way, those are – I think we played five clips from Andy Reid. We have the full thing up right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. If you want to hear that, you can. It's from the podium with Andy Reid. Steve Serta took care of, of that for us a little bit earlier. But that's it uh, for Andy. We're going to move on here to marinated takeaways. But first, we'll take a quick break. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, you know what the music means. Time for our world-famous marinated takeaways, which we love to deliver to you each and every week. John, in the review before, they had mentioned the marinated takeaways. People always are just are just waiting for these bad boys, and that means that... A lot of people will be listening especially closely to your first marinated takeaway from this 26 to 10 victory over the LA Rams. What do you got for us? No pressure, right? Yeah. No, no, what? No, not at all. Yeah, no. Uh, you've already mentioned uh, part of this, uh, the the red zone drive, the red zone drives uh, being below par uh, during Sunday's game, and and we have a very nice article about that that Ron Comp uh, wrote on the site. Uh, over uh, last night and uh, we published this morning. And um, I would just like to point out that you're not only right about the last drive where the chiefs were just chewing up time because once they did that, they could kick a field goal and, and easily win the game and actually exceed the, the point spread. But I think it's possible that they weren't too worried about scoring a touchdown in the drive before that. Uh, there were six minutes left in the game when they get down there to the to the red zone, um, and they were leading by ten points already. Um, I think that in the Chiefs' minds, they were thinking, "Okay, well, if we get the touchdown, great, but a field goal will go a long way to ensuring a victory here." So I think that that was true for two, at least one, possibly two of the six red zone attempts uh, during Sunday's game. Yeah, that actually checks out, and and we have seen before where the Chiefs' numbers suffer, even defensively, when they have a game at hand because it's a lot of prevent and playing what's mm-hmm. in front of you and keeping yeah. the clock rolling. And I think that play plays into it, and I think that's a fair point. I I just I do need to see. And I'm not going to belabor this point, but I do need to see the Chiefs play better in the red zone. Especially sure. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. I feel like if they don't convert on five, regardless of the situation, five trips to the red zone. I don't know if you're going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals, especially now that they are getting chased back to pair with Higgins, who Higgins has really shown, I think during this stretch that he is as talented as a number one receiver that, that chase can even have, and which is impressive for them to have that, that tandem there anyway. um, Yeah, I would agree with you. I think there, there's a reason for everything. You can't just look at stats. That's why you got to dig into the game. My first marinade takeaway is on, 
on Ronald Jones. And I thought Ronald Jones was pretty good. We didn't see a ton from him, right? So he ended up having the the four rushing attempts for 12 yards, but he did take that ball in the flat and take it 22 yards up the field. And he, like like his, his rookie starter here in, in Isaiah Pacheco, I thought was running really hard. Andy Reid agreed. He felt like Rojo had like a lot of energy commented on his his good strong runs and he appreciated the 22 yard gain and what i'd say is i i you know it was a tough break for jones who in the middle of the season wanted to be released he just wanted to to play essentially and this is why the chiefs said no and i i think that that's worth remembering and when you sign a contract you sign a contract right so you that that's what's tough but if you stay the course football you're always going to have injuries Unfortunately for Clyde, it, it feels like he has injuries every single year. And the Chiefs were smart not to grant Rojo his release because not a huge impact on yesterday's game, but you could see why they're going to need him, at least in sure, yeah, stretch of foreseeable future. And the way that they had been talking about the Clyde injury, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be this four-week thing. It felt more like six weeks, minimum four weeks because of the IR, but it felt like more in the six-week range. They, they had commented that it didn't really look that good for Clyde. So they're going to really need... Right. Rojo. I, I like that they're giving Pacheco 20 carries. I've, I've made that point in this segment on this show before, but that's why they kept him on the roster and didn't release him. And because he's got to be active now and he's got to play some type of role for the Chiefs when they need to give Pacheco a blow. Well, now I have to scratch off uh, one of my marinated takeaways and replace it with another one in response to <laughs> yours. Well, uh, and, and I, I just think it's funny. Um, and I, and I don't mean to push back on your narrative here that Rojo played a good game. Uh, certainly the 22 yard reception was, was impressive and he did run hard. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, he looked like he was more like Pacheco, what we've liked about Pacheco, that he runs angry. And we, we don't always see that from Clyde Edwards or Lair. But what I find interesting about this is that if we were talking about Edwards or Mm-hmm. having a game where he had three carries and a, a pass for 22 yards and his three carries went for 12 yards, we'd be saying, well, geez, this guy can't produce, you know? I mean, it's funny to me how our expectations figure into how we interpret what we see on the field, right. you know? And that's how, I, I mean, that, that, that is exactly how I use PFF. I use PFF when it supports my point. When it doesn't, I say that's PFF. <laughs> I don't know why we're trusting that anyway. Yeah. Well, I think it's unfortunate that the first round pick has gone so much into the narratives about Edward Zelaire all along. And that's not his fault, you know, and, and I, I personally don't buy into that positional value argument as much as a lot of people do i think gms go and get the player that's available to them that they really want no matter where they are in the draft and if it happens to be the first round you're going to take the guy that you want if it's a running back or a a punt returner or whatever you know the guy that you that you really need you're going to get him when he's available to you and uh, so i don't really necessarily buy into that but I understand the point of view that people have about it. And I think it's really fouled up our interpretations of what we've seen from Edward Zillaire. I think that whole thing does go back to the, the draft and it does go back to the running backs that were selected in the second round. And I, I think it does go back to the idea in a, in a reverse world where the chiefs take Willie Gay in the first round, which they could have, 
which yeah. probably mm-hmm. would have been better because then they would have a fifth year option on Willie Gay. Right. And Clyde is the second rounder. I think the whole thing is a little bit different. Sure. And Willie Gay, Absolutely. I think you can make yeah. a case has lived up to what would be a first rounder. Whereas because you can get so many running backs in the second round and beyond Clyde has been under the microscope. I also think some of that hype was team generated. So again, that also is not Clyde's fault. That was t- team team generated hype that was out there where he was going to be this elite type of back. And just, it was seemingly impossible expectations to live up to, especially when, and unfortunately this is a label that you have to put on him now. He's an injury prone back. Sure. He yeah, gets injured right. every year. So it's just tough to overcome all of that. And I, I don't know how, how fair that is to the back. I, I don't, you know, I don't believe it is because I don't think he, he generated any of that stuff, but right. Lo and behold, right. Ronald Jones is in the mix now, and you could see that he's going to play a role, and that's why the the Chiefs ended up keeping him around. All right, John, I'll go back to you for your next Mariner takeaway. Yeah, I'd really like to rant about Dave Tobe, but I don't think I'm going to. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, right. I've, 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 I've expended a lot of energy over the years defending the man, and I still would, I still do. Uh, I think people get themselves worked up about him unnecessarily, but I'm just going to leave that. It for sounds like day. from what I can hear, it sounds like Willie's upset about Dave Tobe. As he well. is. He is upset about Dave Tobe. And I've had a conversation with him about it this morning and he didn't listen to me at all. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with that, but I just want to go back uh, to what you mentioned about uh, Trent McDuffie before, which is sort of Tobe related. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were talking about how McDuffie isn't the right guy to, re- to return punts. And I think Dave Tobe agrees with you. Right. Uh, this isn't so much an, a, a marinated takeaway about the game as it is about a marinated takeaway of what Tobe said last week, which is that McDuffie is already on the punt team as a cornerback. Mm-hmm. And in order for the team to use him as a punt returner, then they have to find somebody else to use to play as the cornerback on the punt team. And right. uh, Tobe clearly does not want to do that. So his, you know, the whole conversation about whether McDuffie was a potential returner for punts came from a reporter's question. It wasn't that Tobe volunteered his name. He answered a question about it, said, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, we've thought about him. And then he remembered, oh, yeah, but he's yeah. a cornerback. We have just, to replace him. <laughs> I wanted to just make clear that I do not want to see McDuffie in a we need to tackle this player situation right right like, sure yeah i don't know that's all i was saying I, i'm with you in the sometimes things get lost because sure yeah when you look at it on twitter and i don't blame fans for this because you everyone's busy doing their own day jobs and so on so you're only seeing the quote what you're you're right what you didn't realize was i believe a reporter said what about trent mcduffie and right and he right. was discussing it and then tope takes the heat but no one really understands that that is something that was asked directly of him, which and Steve, I, I know you're thinking back this or, or about this back there. That's why you got to listen to from the podium. Right. Right. Steve. Right. Like, that's why, why. That's why Steve is putting up these raw press conferences. So you can you can dig into these things. So from the podium right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. But I'm with you. I think Dave Tobe is, is getting a little bit of of too much heat and blame. And I still maintain and, and would agree that while that is fair, he does deserve the benefit of the doubt for so many years of success. Right. And I think the Chiefs will get through this. I think next year is going to be a lot better. There was a lot of turnover in the special teams unit from last year to this year. And I think you're seeing some of the results of that. And, and the Chiefs are really trying to, to figure this thing out. I also think there's a certain amount of randomness 
in yeah. special teams performance. I mean, you look at if you look at the whole if if you use the special teams DVOA mm-hmm. as your metric to measure this. And I'm not a there, there's there's some reasons why I'm not a fan of DVOA, but I am in special teams because what they do is kind of abstract. You know, the whole point of special teams is to improve your field position. That's the first job. And mm-hmm. then, you know, scoring points on field goals and kicking off, you know, all those things are kind of secondary to that. The main job is field position and DVOA does a good job of measuring that. So yeah. for special teams, I really like that metric. And the Chiefs, with the exception of, I think, uh, three seasons, including this one, have been top 10 in DVOA every year under Dave Tobe. And they've yeah. won a couple of times, have been second or third a couple of times. I mean, if you go and look at it, there's no team that's been more successful at special teams during the to- the time that Tobe has been here than the Chiefs. There just isn't one. And uh, if you look at the the whole thing, the whole job of special teams. So I agree with you. I think people get upset over the obvious mistakes like, you know, muffed punts and, you know, fair catches that weren't made and, uh, you know, blocking in the back penalties, which actually are called on every team's <laughs> special teams unit. People yeah. get upset, and I think it, I think they don't give him enough credit for what's happened so far in his career here. Yeah, and and I don't want to 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 jinx this here because I know a lot of people might think I'm jinxing it, but Harrison Butker seems to have put it together. Yes, yes, he had four for mm-hmm. four field goal goals, and and he made the extra point in yesterday's game, and he was perfect the week before. So. Knock on wood with Harrison Butker, but that seems to have been fixed at least through these last two games. So I got my, to do my toe brand anyway. That's cool. Yeah. My next, <laughs> my next marinated takeaway <laughs> is that I think the Chiefs might have their their best defense as a whole heading into a postseason that they they may have had since Steve Spagnuolo took took over here in in nineteen. And I'm looking at the front. And we were very worried about this front without Melvin Gordon. I think it was really smart for them to go and get Carlos Dunlap. Carlos Dunlap seems like a power player in this thing. Frank Clark led the Chiefs, speaking of PFF supporting my points, Frank Clark led the Chiefs in quarterback pressures. So he's come off his two-game suspension, and I thought it's been pretty good. You have George Karloftis getting into the quarterback. Chris Jones looks like he should be the defensive player of the year if Micah Parsons didn't exist. And then what you're getting in the, in the defensive backfield now is you know, sack from Brian Cook making a, a spot start. You had timely interceptions by Legarius Sneed and Nick Bolton. And if this team begins to get turnovers and starts getting more touches for Patrick Mahomes in this offense, I think you're going to be in a really good position in, in the postseason. And now, now, granted, you did win a Super Bowl in, in 19, but you were also on the brink of not winning that Super Bowl. It took, it sure, took an yeah. effort in the Super mm-hmm. Bowl and the whole thing would be different here in Kansas City. How we look at this whole era would be different if they had not come back offensively and, and won that game, you know, giving up that amount of points in the Super Bowl. And so I just think even that considered where you did have Tyron Matthew leading the way, and I, I think it was really good during that stretch, um, even, even having to overcome three straight 10-point deficits in the playoffs. Uh, I think it was a really good defense, but I think this one might be the best, even considering the youth 
and maybe some question marks you had at the beginning season when it comes to the front. I've just been very impressed, and I just think it's getting better every week. And I think by the time these six weeks pass, as long as you can stay healthy, you're going to feel pretty good about the team as a whole. And I just I wasn't sure if we would be feeling that at this point in at least going into the, the year. I agree with you. I think that I, I think I've made the point already in a previous marinated takeaway that that uh, the defense is playing above its stats. And I, I continue to agree with that. I, I think that's part of what's going on this week. I encountered uh, some uh, past defense stats and I'm a big believer in passer rating as a defensive statistic because we we count on it for quarterbacks. We should count on it for defenses too. It's a nice way to put together, you know, everything that happens with a defense. You know, uh, giving up touchdowns, giving up yardage, uh, and getting interceptions. And the Chiefs' secondary is not actually doing very well in passer rating. And for years and years under Andy Reid, when when um, when Brett Veach was just you know throwing whatever he could find back there in the secondary, the the team actually did pretty well um, in opposing passer rating, and they're not doing so well this year. Now I think they're going to get a lot better when you don't have so many rookies back there playing. Mm-hmm. You know, Sharvarius uh, Ward certainly got a lot better um, over the years that he was in Kansas City, and I think we're going to see that with all of these players once they get past their rookie season. So I think there's a lot of hope for the future there. And I agree with you that if they can get some turnovers, they're going to not only improve those opposing passer rating statistics, because that's a big chunk of it, but they're also going to be putting the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands and make it a complementary defensive unit, which I think is the key to what you're talking about. Yeah, and I think there's been some push out there that that Nick Bolton is not going to be the guy that he, he is for for Kansas City and and just the amount of tackles that he's able to get and I think the growth that we've seen from Nick Bolton and now with this turnover thing I just don't know how you could say that with a straight face it feels like that's a, a silly thing to be trying to tr- to push out there so I've just been really impressed with Nick Bolton these past few weeks and I I'm like I said I I don't know about the defense right now but you give them six more weeks John, you mentioned about the rookies. You have 17 games now under the rookies' belt, and you're entering the playoffs. I know it's a, a little bit of a cliche, but you're not a rookie anymore. And so I'm just right, confident. Right. About, I'm confident mm-hmm. about the defense going into the, the postseason, which, again, is all that matters in Kansas City. All right, John, any other marinated takeaways from you? I know we were, we were, these are, these, these have been some mess. This, is, this has been a messy marination. I don't even know how many <laughs> you've said, I don't even know how many I've given. The, the, well, well I have like, one more like, thing written down if that's some what of you the, mean. Some of the juice that we've been marinating the meat in has spilled out of the bag. I need to go get <laughs> some soap and water to clean my, my floor. Anyway, go ahead with your last one. Well, this is another one about perception. Um, you know, I, in my prediction for the game, I pointed out that point spreads are not designed to predict the outcome of the game, but are instead designed to put an equal amount of money on both sides of the wager. So they don't necessarily carry that much value uh, in terms of predicting the, uh, the outcome of the game. But the Chiefs beat the point spread anyway, a really large point spread. And yet people are upset because the Chiefs didn't win by 30 or 40 points. And Mm. I mean, come on, you know, how often does it happen that you beat a team by, you know, 15, 16, 20 points? Not that often. 
Now the Chiefs have had a couple of big blowout wins this year, but that where they put a lot of space between uh, their score and the and the opposing team's score. So I get why people want to see this, but folks, folks, this is the NFL. <laughs> and, you know, nobody is going to care how you got these points when they look at the records next year and look at what the Chiefs team was like in yeah. 2022. Trust me, they're not going to care. They're not going to notice. Let's just be happy that we got a win and we got a comfortable win because we sure did. Hypothetically speaking, for those of us who made their own same game parlay out there, Patrick Mahomes didn't get to two touchdowns. Isaiah Pacheco didn't get to 70 yards and the Chiefs and Rams both didn't hit the over. But who who put that who was doing something with the same game parlay that wanted all those things happen? I don't, I don't know anybody. I I'm, I'm with you, John. <laughs> Uh, the Chiefs did end up covering what was a rather large spread. I didn't believe they would. My my prediction that we put up on our pride.com was that they would um, win by 14 and they were able to actually. Cover yeah, that. I, I went by 11. I think I was the lowest point spread of the group, actually. So <laughs> that 16 point spread. I guess I have a, a, one final mini marinated takeaway. And that's that Mahomes hit 10 different receivers last night. I, I'm just. It's just such a different way to win than they were winning with with Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. It was such oh, yeah. a ca- I know, and, and we talk about it almost every week, so I don't have to go into detail here. But I just think it's if you look at the box score, it almost yeah. I know, I know, Willie. I know it's it's wild. <laughs> you look at the box score, and <laughs> like I'm not going to read the names. I don't even need to. But the yardage outputs, of course, Kelsey leads the way with 57. Then it goes 56, 38, 36, 26, mm-hmm. 26, yeah. 26, 22, 17, 16. All 320 yards. I don't know if we've ever seen anything like this where mm-hmm. a guy is, is distributing the football like this. And I just think it's a very underrated part about this version of the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And it's very impressive for them to trade away Tyree Kill. Mahomes' numbers to stay the same. And you're getting guys involved named Fortson and McKinnon and now Moore and Gray, as, you know, in tandem with Kelsey and you know, Marquez and Juju. So, well, and, and also unexpected. I mean, this is the this was the whole this was the whole argument about the Chiefs not doing well in 2022 before the season was that the Chiefs would be without Tyree Kill and without Tyree right. Kill, Patrick Mahomes would be nothing. And what Patrick Mahomes has proven now is that it's about him. And mm-hmm. Tyree Kill has proven that it's about him because he went to Miami and he's putting up huge numbers there. But it's not like, I, I, you know, it just shows they're both good. And He's, I, it's and then and I think that's fine. Mahomes is so far ahead of the rest of the other quarterbacks in in what would be the MVP race, passing wise. I think Jalen Hurts has a a chance here. I think they're going to go back and forth in this thing to the end. But I I tend to think Mahomes is going to end up winning out just because I I just I just think yeah he wasn't he only had a touchdown last night, but more times than not, I mean he's going to be two or three touchdowns, sure. 300 yards. And right. I just think the Chiefs are in better position than the Eagles with a little bit more of a wide-open NBC to, uh, NBC, NFC to continue to <laughs> win, uh, especially if they're able to get past the Bengals with the win. And, and then that would mean the Chiefs would, if they were able to take care of business where they should be favored the rest of the way, win that, that AFC by. I just think they are better positioned to do that. But we'll see. I mean, that'll be something that we watch. Uh, I know that you fans out there don't care about MVPs. You want the Super Bowl title. And I don't blame you for that. And with that, that was the marinated takeaways for the Chiefs 26 to 10 victory over the L.A. Rams. When we come back, we will go through the headlines that led into that game 
and do a little bit of a preview heading into what is an exciting week. It's Chiefs Bengals and an AFC title rematch coming at you on Sunday. So stay with us right here on the Airhead Pride Editor's Show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the Airhead Pride Editor's Show, we have been through Andy Reid's Monday Presser. We have done our world-famous marinated takeaways. Now it's time to go through some headlines here that we had over the past week heading into what was the Chiefs and the Rams game. We're still waiting on Blake Bell, John. We mm-hmm. had that, that preseason hip surgery for Bell. I've seen him bopping around the facility. He looks fine. have not seen him on the field yet. you think this is the week? Um... I don't know. I mean, I it's <laughs> we always ask the question in a situation like this. Well, who would they release from the roster in order to make room for him? And what always happens is somebody gets hurt, and and that's and how they make it. the room for the for the player coming back from injury. Um, well, I, I'm glad that I don't have to make those decisions and make those choices. But so often uh, those decisions seem to make themselves. I, when, I don't. When yeah, Chris Conley was here the first the first time around. Um, you know, he was here that that briefly earlier this year, but the first time around it, he said that when I was covering him, I was having a conversation with him one time in the locker room. He's like, "We know one thing, and that's we're going to get hurt eventually." And it happened to Joe T yeah. this past week with with Nick Allegretti mm-hmm. having to go up against uh, Aaron Donald, which could have been another marinated takeaway of, of just the job that he did. In I think it was early that Donald was affecting the game, but then he really I think did a nice job the rest of the way. Mahomes did a really good job, I thought, working the pocket too. Anyway, what the point is is that you're going to get hurt. And so yeah. we'll see what happens with Blake Bell. No one is expecting injury. No one wants an injury, but you're right. We, we're wondering where they, where they would put him, but then they go in a game with the Bengals and have two injuries, and then that's where they put him. You know what I mean? So yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens with Bell. Once he starts practicing, like Lucas Niang did, he would have a 21-day window to practice before the Chiefs would have to activate him or lose him for the rest of the year. Another headline that we had heading into this game, Dave Tobe on Isaiah Pacheco just reinstilled that on kickoff, he wants him to go after every ball. Dave Tobe has, I think, taken a more aggressive approach approach when it comes to kickoffs over the years, where even if they're about two or three yards seemingly inside the end zone, Dave Tobe likes to give his guys a chance. And and he said that he'd like to see Pacheco to continue to do that, even despite, if you remember two weeks ago now, Pacheco took that ball and ended up exiting the, the field at the six and starting in the offense at the start 94 yards back. You know, uh, I, I made this statement to you the other day in, in our Slack channel, and I don't know if you noticed it or not, but I'll, I'll just repeat it here. Uh, this is an excellent example of the kind of statement that Tobe makes that people say, well, why are we doing this? Why aren't we just fair catching these? Why aren't we let, just letting them go to be touchbacks? Because we have Patrick Mahomes now. We don't have Alex Smith and the offense that Alex Smith ran. We don't, we don't need the special teams to be aggressive in order to win games. And yet, Tobe continues to have this approach. I don't think it's because he alone has this approach. I think it's because Andy Reid wants him to have this approach. I don't think Dave Tobe operates in a vacuum. 
He's just the guy who talks about special teams on coordinator day. And I'll remind you again, bringing up something that that was said during a press conference, uh, a reporter tried to get Andy Reid to talk about Tobe's aggressiveness. I think it was the week before last and Andy wouldn't take the bait. They, you know, he was asked, uh, you know, uh, does there come a point when you want to not be so aggressive on special teams? And Andy said, no, no, I I don't think I'd say that. (laughs) And then he kind of deferred the question after that. I think, I I think Tobe is doing this and it's because Andy wants him to, because Andy thinks aggressive play is what wins football games. I think this is a reminder that we should always think about. And I, I, I should pass along maybe a little bit more often and, Based upon what I know about this organization, it's Andy Reid is the king. He's the right. king of the organization. And what does that mean? He does a nice job allowing Dave Tope to do his job, Steve Spagnuolo to do his job, Brett Beach yes. to do his job. Mm-hmm. But it is all in unison. There is, yes. in my estimation, there is the Andy Reid sign off on everything all these guys are doing now. I think over the years, as Brett Beach became a young GM into an older GM, I'm sure there's more trust in each being able to say no this is what the direction we should go in and andy's like okay you had enough, enough experience over the years same thing with steve spagnolo i don't think andy reed is is really overruling steve spagnolo that often but i think he does have obviously as the head coach a great deal of input and, and i think that lends credit to to your point in the sense of yes if dave tobe is choosing to have an aggressive approach at, in kick return and sometimes it doesn't work out. They're having a conversation the next yes. week. So it's, it's not like Andy Reid and, and yeah. Dave are reporting to separate parts of the the facility <laughs> and not discussing these things. So if that continues to be their approach, they've talked about it, right? Yeah. So yeah. And that's why Andy Reid always takes the blame in, in these losses because he realizes, and this is the, the case, at the end of the day, all of this stuff that comes personnel back to him. Yeah. is him. Mm-hmm. It's him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, more on special teams. Harrison Butker. This was a headline. Harrison Butker might not ever be 100% this season. Dave Tobe admitted that. Dave Tobe told Harrison Butker to shut up in the locker room and not tell <laughs> everyone that he's not going to be 100% this season. He's looked pretty healthy these past mm-hmm. couple weeks. So yeah. for the Chiefs' sake, I think you, you hope that remains to be the case. The Chiefs made two roster moves in advance of Sunday's Rams game. They were, uh, rose Cornell Powell, which was the second uh, mm-hmm. elevation this season, and then Zane Anderson. Uh, the safety up for this game. I believe that also was his, his second. Yeah. Oh, also his, his second. second. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So these yep. guys have one more left. Yes. To, correct. To our knowledge. So it's just important to keep in mind as the chiefs work the roster. Nick Bolton said that he was keeping his first career interception ball. And that, <laughs> that was after he had the turnover last year and threw the ball into the stands in Denver was not able to get it back. So that ball is safe and sound. And he was able to repeat that effort with an interception this past game, like we, we talked about earlier, John. So Nick Bolton is is keeping his his souvenir. I'm glad. I, w- I would turnover. want that if I were in his shoes. He was also nominated for the 2022 Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award, which I found to be even more impressive that he was a nomination, just considering he tackles the opposing team the most by far of the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's not even close. I mean, he, I, I don't have the numbers up, but I believe he's about, 30 or 40 ahead. He was that last year and he was in a rotational role mm-hmm. for the Chiefs. So this is someone who is bringing the opposing team down to the ground. He is still maintaining that good sportsmanship enough to be in the mix. The way that this works is four AFC and four NFC players will be finalists and then they'll pick someone, I believe at NFL honors. Correct, John? Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we'll see. Good luck to Nick Bolton 
in that sense. And then Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes discussed John Madden's Thanksgiving legacy heading into what was Thanksgiving weekend. And the most fascinating part about this is that Patrick Mahomes told his chef to cook turducken going into Thanksgiving, which that is a that's a nice thing to be able to have. I think a a chef and B turducken. <laughs> well, you know, I've had duck before and I really liked it. And as I've expressed before, I'm not crazy about turkey. So I kind of like the concept of some duck in there with some turkey. Um, you you and, almost need like a turduck ham, like a, just yeah, a triple. Yeah, that way that you, yeah, uh-huh, you, yeah. you could, yeah, turduck hum that you, <laughs> you would be able to, to have a part of that. Yeah. Not a ton of headlines really going into what was a Chiefs Rams game we thought would be way more interesting and important heading into the year. Sure. Of course, yeah. with the injuries to Stafford and to Cup and to just this team as a whole, they are not going to make the playoffs, which I believe is the first time since those those Denver Broncos who didn't make it after winning their Super Bowl. So that's uh, five years, five, six years in the making for the L.A. Rams to fall completely off after being able to win the title. John, it's Chiefs and Bengals this week. Just to close here, our editor's show, since we got a little bit more time, what are your expectations as we head into what would be a week of preparation for the AFC title rematch? Well, I think the Chiefs are really going to be focused for this game. Um, I think there was a little bit of concern that they would be too focused on this game before going in to play the Rams. And, um, you know, I, I tend not to believe in the trap game anyway. Uh, but, uh, and especially for an Andy Reid team, cause I think he goes out of his way for the team to be on a really steady, even keel from week to week and from opponent to opponent. But that said, you know, you've got a team that beat the chiefs by three points in two games that weren't very far apart last season and in kind of similar fashion. And in each of those games, and I think the Chiefs and I think particularly Patrick Mahomes are going to be looking for some payback in this game. Um, yeah. And, and I, so I'm looking forward to it on that basis alone. Yeah, we'll be pre-gaming or previewing the game all week uh, right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I believe it's the Great British Chiefs show that, that really dives into their first look at the Bengals. And then we'll we'll continue to push forward with previews the rest of the week. But I. I think it was interesting after the game, you know, you know, there's so much thought and, and there's so much focus on Chiefs and Bengals and in this game, just because it's been a long time since the Chiefs really had a true revenge opponent, especially in the yeah. AFC. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they dominated the AFC. This was a team that really had their, their number last year. And so for the first time in a long time, there is a revenge aspect. What I found most interesting is as the Chiefs were asked about this after beating the Rams, in the postgame press conferences, they did not shy away from the revenge factor, which is very rare. Andy Reid didn't say anything, but I thought Mahomes' quote was interesting, and, and you had mentioned this a second ago, John, but I'll, I'll read it. I, it's not a good place when and Mahomes is saying this as he was asked what he thinks about when he thinks about the mm-hmm. AFC title game. They beat us. I played terrible in the second half, and we lost at home when that could have sent us to the Super Bowl. You learn that you've just got to continue to push. You can't be satisfied with where you're at. We scored a lot of points that first half and went in kind of thinking we were just going to coast to the Super Bowl. But they're right. a team that's going to fight. They're going to fight to the very end. That's why they were in the Super Bowl. So we have to make sure we go in with two great halves of football, however long it takes. Man, if Mahomes is leaning into that before the game, this is mm-hmm. someone who's a nut. Yeah. He's a, he is a stone-cold nut killer once the game starts. 
it's impossible to get him to say these types of quotes going yeah. into yeah. a game. It really is. And so the fact that he said this type of stuff last night, seven days away, I, you know, you talk about the Chiefs covering. I think I think the Chiefs are going to be able to cover the two and a half that they're laying on the road. I I don't bet against Patrick Mahomes when I I feel like he wants it even more than he usually does for whatever reason, and this this really feels like that case. So that's why I just want us to talk about this before we we move on here. But it should be a good I'm, week. I'm just writing down Stone Cold Nut Killer. I think I'm going to need mm-hmm. to have that yeah. at some point in the yes, future. That's just, uh, yeah. I got to. I don't, know, I don't even know what that means, but I I think it's important to to keep in mind. <laughs> All right, so we went through Andy Ray, we did our marinated takeaways, we went through the headlines, and we got you ready for what should be a fun week of coverage as we get ready for the Chiefs and Bengals coming at you in late slate. This Sunday, the Chiefs are are in Cincinnati, so keep locks in at arrowheadpride.com for all of your updates. We'll get our first injury update on Wednesday. As a reminder, I'll say it again, if you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, leave us a rating and a review and we will read it right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. For Steve Serta behind the glass and for my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for once again joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.